everybody, and welcome once again to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through the best resource that they have, and that is the critically acclaimed Netflix series, The Crown. My name is Sam Chung, and today we will be talking about The Crown Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Smoke and Mirrors. Before we begin... Please allow me to introduce my two co-hosts. First off, a man who is set out to break Phillips' aviation school completion record. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, how are you? Uh, ready and determined, Sam. <laughs> and uh, also here, a woman who loves both a good soap and knows that a good fabric will take her anywhere. It is Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, how are you? I'm good, Sam. How are you? I'm doing great. So as always, before we start, just want to throw this out there, you know, if you came here because you want to learn about the royal family, you want to know if it's accurate, you've come to the wrong place. We don't know, we don't care, we just watched the episode and we think that it's all true. Especially this one. Everything that happened is absolutely 100% correct. Uh, is that about cover it? Any, any other qualifiers before we get started? No, it seems good. Cool. So to kick things off, I believe, Carlin, this week you have a quick recap for us. So tell us what happened in Season 1, Episode 5, Smoke and Mirrors. Well, it is the coronation episode. And as such, we have lots of coronation drama around the royal family. And so let's see. To start, we have Elizabeth tries to once again give Philip purpose. And this time, her attempt is by giving him like a big job in the coronation. And of course, there's all these stuffy old men who are like, wait, we cannot deviate from a single norm in this um, in this entire ceremony. And Philip is like, no, fuck that. We're going to be changing some stuff here. And, you know, of course, that causes conflict. So great job, Philip. Um, of course, we got to do that. And then our friend David has resurfaced because Queen Mother Mary has fallen very ill even more ill than before. And so, you know, David has to come back and do some, you know, court shenanigans. But this time, all of the staff, the royal staff are completely against him. So whereas he was more of like a queen player in the chess game before, he's sort of relegated to, he has a nice little surrounding of all the pawns around him. And we have to see how he gets out of it. And then, you know, Elizabeth has some realizations about her power. She was kind of a, you know, Strangely enough, not like the main player in this episode, but you know, she, she gets coronated. It's a good time. It is a good time. Hate to do this again, but it feels like this has happened now several times, but gotta start off with an in memoriam, in memoriam to the late Queen Mother Mary. Ivan, what closing words do we have for the Queen Mother Squared? Uh, we hardly knew ye. Um, it, it's actually kind of bewilder bewildering how little of a factor her death was in this episode um you don't really see anybody reacting to it other than uh former king edward yeah i mean you get a short funeral scene um you know a, a short silent scene of them observing um her lifeless body um in in her final resting place and that's kind of it um yeah she did not go out in a blaze of glory whatsoever yeah, I thought that was so interesting because it felt like an opportunity that they could have like shown Elizabeth's connection to her because it feels like they were setting that up in like the previous episodes where like they had the little council meetings. But no, it was like we were so firmly on David. I was just staring at Elizabeth being like, what, what are you thinking right now, ma'am? Like, are you are you upset by this? 
Is this a big upset in your life? Is this going to reflect anything you do further along? It's unknown. We just got like David's like, man, that guy will bitch until the end. Like you got to give it to him. Like kudos for having that much like sassy remarks for everyone in his family, even when they're dead. Yeah, I was not uh, ready to see him again so soon because, I mean, he he had his big episode all of, you know, two installments ago and, and now he's back for more. Yeah, I did think that was an interesting choice. So first off, Carlin, I want to touch back on a point that you made, which is that for an episode about Queen Elizabeth's coronation, we got very little of her point of view. It's like all of these other point of views about the coronation, obviously David being one of those people, but... You know, then we have Angry Philip. I mean, as usual. And, you know, <laughs> we even have like Queen Mother Elizabeth and Tommy gossiping with each other at one point. And so there's very little of like Elizabeth actually having thoughts besides, I want Philip to be involved. I made a mistake. I don't want Philip to be involved. That was <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so interesting because they clearly were trying to set up like an Elizabeth sort of frame narrative at the very beginning where you had that really effective scene of her like reflecting on when she was practicing with her father and like this idea of like passing on this sort of burden. And it, I mean, it's so interesting just sort of like, getting into the idea that like even as a kid, I guess she probably would have had this thrust upon her, like this idea that this was going to happen to her. And then the fact that it happened so quickly, relatively speaking to like what she probably expected most of her life. Like, that is all so interesting, and I wish we had gotten more of, like, Elizabeth's sort of, like, feelings of, like, is she overwhelmed? I would be overwhelmed by this, but she was just trucking along. Yeah. More concerned with giving Philip his... Philip's very needy. Maybe that's, like, the <laughs> point, is, you know, she just keeps herself very distracted with Philip. Yeah, it was a super... It's interesting, the time jump, right? Because the last episode... They were like, oh, your coronation will need to wait for a year. And it was all it was also that basically Winston Churchill could be happy. And then this episode is just like, boom, it's been a year. Ivan, did you find that time jump to be jarring at all? Or did you just kind of take it in stride? Uh, Yeah. So uh, let's see if we can get the timeline uh, straight here. So um, Elizabeth becomes uh, queen in 1952. Uh, when we last left off, we had the big... Uh, smog incident um in at the end of that year in december and then i i want to say it's now next summer um so yeah we we're, we're getting a quite a big of a, a time jump here indeed and and to, to kind of disorient us even more we we opened this episode in 1937 and we get a nice little uh, uh birdie uh cameo cold open um with a very uh young elizabeth who for a second i was like oh wow they did a really good job uh casting the young elizabeth and i'm like no it's really just the hairstyle like they made the hairstyles look exactly the same um but uh yeah no i i i think it's it has been a hot second since the last episode definitely so as we said, condolences to the Windsor family for the death of the Queen Mother. But this does allow David to re-enter the picture, and we've touched on David a little bit. I personally loved that David came back. In the first episode we saw of David, I was a little bit like, eh, what's this guy's deal? Now I feel like I know this guy's deal, and we got so much of his deal in this episode that I really... I was enjoying it. I, I liked that we got it. We definitely got to see him at his best and worst many times throughout this latest episode. Um, ultimately, I think culminating in a in a pretty like sympathetic final scene for him where, you know, he is watching the coronation um, from afar in Paris, uh, surrounded by some friends and his wife 
and ultimately just once again declaring that, you know, he gave all of that up uh, for love, which was a very touching moment. But um, a lot of nasty stuff happened kind of leading up to that. Absolutely. And it was interesting because it feels like throughout this entire episode, you can tell that he wishes that this was him and that he had gotten to this point in his life. At the same time, though, he's such like a vindictive man. <laughs> so, Carlin, I think where how do we reconcile these two feelings that we have about David? You know, I was trying to figure that out myself. Like, to me, I mostly err on the side of, like, negative. Like, he's a really well-developed character. And, you know, we get to call him a character. This isn't real enough for us. But anyway, so David, he just seems like this. Like they get, do such a good job of rounding him out where, like, you totally understand his motivations. You get, like, that one scene in the very beginning with him and the photographer and then, like, having to do, like, advertisements. Like, that is so funny, and it's such a good, like, indication of, like, this idea of, like, how far he's fallen in this sort of, like, very luxurious life. Like, in his head, I'm sure he's like, this is the stupidest thing that could possibly have happened to my life. How did I get here? But then, like, obviously throughout, you just get this, like, there's this one scene where as much as you totally understand why he abdicated, and even in the scene with Tommy and the Archbishop, you're like, the Archbishop was like, yeah, I mean, like, however understandable your reasons for abdicating the throne are. But he, yeah, like Ivan was saying, he's so vindictive. And it's just the moment where he was like still calling Birdie like a weak king. You're just like, I I don't know what to do with this man. Like when he says that, I was like, sir, no, he did like an amazing job for like what you ultimately did put on him because you wanted to marry this woman. Fine. Like, okay. Sympathetic. But like, sir, you still made that decision. Like you have to lie with, I don't remember the phrase, but like he just needs to deal with what he did. And so honestly, I found the whole thing kind of funny when like you're just watching this like tug of war between him and Queen Mother who like is she I hope you guys all notice. I love the way that she like at her most scheming, she still has that really cute, like pleasant voice that she uses like while she's completely planning to like destroy David. The Tommy scene, like (laughs) one of my favorites, they're just walking and talking and she is just like, I'm going to ruin this man's entire career and mental well-being. In one fell swoop. I mean, that's what they keep trying to do. But I mean, the dude has nothing to complain about. He is living in luxury. That house that he and his wife are in in Paris is gorgeous and a much more picturesque setting than anywhere that any of the other members of the royal family are living. Like, I mean, he even pointed that out, you know, how kind of bleak and dour London is. And, you know, meanwhile, he's in the beautiful French countryside. Like, I you know, it's hard to feel bad for him. It's, it's hard to even understand why he yearns for all of the, you know, pomp and circumstance of these, you know, that, that occur in these old churches in London. Like who, who wants that when you've got a beautiful house in France? I loved that we got 1950s cribs and then David just like took us around. Great, great touch. Those pugs, like he has the immaculate. I mean, they all have good taste in dogs. Like I love corgis, I love dorgies, I love dachshunds, I love pugs. So like I really can't say who has better taste here, but I did enjoy like all of the pugs. Like there were so many pugs. There were pug pillows. Like if I had money that was just bestowed upon me for no reason, I too would spend it on useless pug memorabilia. So like I understand him in that regard. And and remember, I did the math. I adjusted the inflation. The the dude is getting a half million dollar allowance per year roughly i mean he he's not hurting he's really not and i don't know why wallace would want to come to court anyway like she was saved she was saved so much like unpleasant so one thing that we learn about david's crib is that he's got 
in his crib a secret room where he likes to go spend time by himself. And inside the secret room, there are several things. There's his favorite armchair. He has some bagpipes for when he feels a little bit homesick. And he's got the last box that was ever given to him as the King of England. Why does one need a secret room? If you're telling the press, how secret can it be? Uh, Just, I mean, it's just a room. It doesn't need to be a secret. I don't understand. I mean, the secret is how much he cries in there. Like, that's clearly what this (laughs) this room is for. It's like his crying emo room. Like, when you were, like, 12 and you used to lock yourself in the closet and listen to my comic romance, or at least that's what I used to do. Like, that's basically what this is for him. Surrounded by all the objects that make him sad. (laughs) I don't need to belabor the secret room. We can move on from the secret room. No, we just, we just don't have the time. Like we can spend an hour trying to psychoanalyze what that room represents for him. But I think it's it's his nostalgia room for better or for worse. And, you know, I think it's it's also important to keep in mind, I think they just recently moved into this place. So this room has not existed for long. This, uh, you know, chamber of of meditation and reminiscences, a fairly new thing that he has going on. Definitely. So. I think on that note, let's move on to the continuing saga of Liz and Phil trying to figure out who is the top and who is the bottom. Oh, I got some stuff to say here, (laughs) Sam. Okay, I've been taken away. Oh, man. Okay. So, I mean, we need to start by acknowledging that we are going to continue to beat the dead horse of how the hell does Philip not know what he signed up for here? Like that, that I feel like that's going to continue to be the through line. So let, let's just get that out of the way to begin with, because it, it, otherwise we're just going to mention it every three minutes. But uh, so, you know, the, one of the kind of intersectional plots of this episode is that uh, Philip is put in charge of the coronation committee um, and he's there to plan this whole event uh, he wants to modernize it he wants to do away with some of the more antiquated traditions and really uh, bring it into I guess the mid 20th century now one of his biggest ideas is to televise the event which I'm just going to go right on record right away and say that that was a great idea like I, I thought his, yeah. his, his instincts were spot on there and all of the like every time anybody brought up a uh, reason uh, as to why televising the coronation was bad like i immediately out loud said like no that's not right because you know <laughs> like i think there's something that i it might have been elizabeth said that like you know the, the crown needs to be above the people they, they can't you know feel connected to it it can't be something that they just watch you know in their homes over dinner that's such bullshit like i, I mean <laughs> not not only is it you know providing a little bit more transparency and uh connectivity with with her subjects but like even just on an international level, like the fact that the coronation was televised meant that um, David was watching it in Paris. And and consider all of the other countries and commonwealths in the world that get to watch the coronation as well. Like th- there's just a million reasons to televise it and, and very few not to. And I'm really glad that Philip um, won there in the end. Now that is about the extent of it. <laughs> like everything else uh, was 
you know, every other idea he had was dubious at best. And, uh, you know, we got another, um, you know, showdown between uh, him and Liz around, you know, who wears the pants in the relationship, which, you know, was very um, eye roll inducing, um, you know, in in the ceremony, he didn't want to uh, bow down to her. Um, you know, he wanted to stand, uh, you know, side by side with her, uh, a queen and husband. A- and here's the thing, like, while he was making that argument, like for a second, you know, I was like, okay, I, I get what he's saying, you know, making the the spouse of the monarch, not just another subject, but somebody who is kind of truly their equal and stand side by side with them. I get that. But then he had to ruin it by once again, just tying it to his own emasculation. Like, like he had a really good idea and the way that he tried to push for it just once again made him look like an ass. That's my rant. Back to you guys. Okay. I totally, I completely agree with everything you're saying, including the fact that this was like the one time I thought he did something smart with the televising. And I, I have to sit on that moment where like he was trying to explain like through family trauma, like why he wanted this done. And he was like, you're going to get our family killed. And I was like, you know what? I, I relate. I understand this paranoia here, sir. Like I too constantly fear for my leaders randomly dying so like you know this is how i also felt during the inauguration like it's fine philip this is a moment where i'm like all right sir okay i get what you're doing but this is another moment where they just brought in his like family trauma did you guys notice where they were like yeah he was like oh yeah i got shipped away in a box um (laughs) what are they talking about i'm still waiting for that flashback episode i do not understand like the mountbatten family history whatsoever it sounds really interesting. And um, once actual Philip dies, can I like get the rights to his life and make like a Disney movie about it? Like he got some like Romanovs go- like stuff going on that no one's talking about. But like he clearly has like the most interesting backstory that we're just going to get in weird little snippets among his like emasculation. Either that or ep- or season six will exclusively just be that. <laughs> okay, so can I can I ask you to a question? Because I again I really do not understand the backstory of the Mountbatten's. Are they English? Are they Greek? Or are they Nazis? I think they're Greek and maybe something else. Like wasn't like Greek? And Dan- yeah, something yeah. like that. But that's him. So I think that was like him. His last name isn't. As we know, his last name is... Uh, Schleswig Holstein, Sonderberg, Luxburg of the royal houses of Denmark and Norway and latterly of Greece. So he must have been shipped away from Denmark, Greece, two very not close to each other places at all, um, and then <laughs> sent to live with the Mountbatten's who are, I think, a family, it seems like in northern England somewhere. And they like adopted him. I guess I don't understand. Like, isn't it? Didn't they show his mom was like a nun? Like, why? Why did she have to stay behind? Like, okay, so he's he's not actually English by blood. He was just sort of adopted into this family of nobility. Is that what you're saying? I believe so. But on the flip side, isn't the English monarchy German? Yeah. So- <laughs> like apparently, King George the Third had like a whack German accent. I only know that because of, like, Hamilton trivia. So all the monarchy is, you know, displaced in some fashion. Well, here's the thing, though. Are they related? Because I feel like that's also a thing with all these monarchs. Is like, all their bloodlines are so tied together that they're just all, like, secretly have some shared ancestor. 
So what do we think about this coronation overall? Okay, I did think it was really effective. Like, it was once they got down to just focusing on Elizabeth and, like, really letting Claire Foy just act, I thought it was really effective, actually. See, I am on the flip side of that because the coronation to me, as somebody who's just, like, generally more agnostic, is just, like what is happening here like i thought that they were already divine but no apparently they need to have this ceremony to make them even more divine so that now they can like be god's proxies on earth and basically it's just like i touch you with a little bit of water and oh it's done you did it you are now god excuse it's it's oil it's very very important it's oil Yeah, yeah. So I was confused about that, too, because I think in, you know, an earlier episode, like, you know, we got this whole spiel about how, you know, the monarch is, is, you know, kind of God's representative to to humanity or or, or some weird, uh, you know, just hoity-toity bullshit like that. But if that's the case, and, and if this anointment is the thing that makes it official, does that mean that there there was no, you know, divine monarch figure on planet earth for this year in between elizabeth ascending to the throne and actually getting coronated how do those two logical points connect i guess it's a very dark year i don't know if like the oil was supposed to be like an extra boost to your like divine power like you know you were at like level like five before and this puts you at like level 10 and like there's just some extra perks that once you get up there i don't know i was just here for the vibes it had oh, vibes. Sp- speaking of that oil can we talk about that archbishop like, oh, man, he had some scenes in this episode um, go- going back to the kind of confrontation between, uh, uh, you know, David and this, you know, cabal of men who are trying to take him down, including the Archbishop and Tommy. That scene was something. Oh, yes. Ivan, can I play something for you? Please do. My Lord Archbishop, what a scold you are. And when your man is down, how very bold you are. Christian charity, how very scant you are, you old lang swine. How full of cant you are. (laughs) (laughs) It Uh, was just so intense. And like, I'm sorry, I didn't think the Archbishop was like the one that was doing all the scheming. He just kind of seemed to be there and David just turns on this man. Did David say that he had rehearsed that before? This is like the second time he's <laughs> recited this poem. Yeah, I that scene was a whirlwind for me because I, you know, for one, we have Tommy there who, you know, I've gone on record as saying is one of my favorite characters. And there was this great scene between him and Elizabeth, uh, you know, in the previous episode where he's telling her, like, you don't have to do everything the way your father did. Like, you know, you're your own person. But, you know, here he is kind of just rubber banding back to this, you know, steward of the, you know, crown and enforcing all of the traditions and rules that go with that. And I was a little let down that Tommy was kind of on the side of trying to torpedo David's uh, attendance here. He is team Elizabeth, but like you never know which Elizabeth and that's part of his, um, his enigma. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. He's just, he's here to stir the pot. He's here to cause some drama. 
I just like to think he just hated David so much. He's like, <laughs> I'm going right back. Just- Which I'll admit, it, it, that's easy to do. Like, because on like when when you like look at the broad strokes of David's story, you're like, okay, wow. Like, you know, he he gave up the the, the crown for the love of his life. That's cool. But then every single moment that the man opens his mouth he cannot win people over like he he is not here to make friends no absolutely not can we shift gears for a quick second because i do want to talk about winston churchill who was not we a big part about our buddy winston he was not a big part of this episode he was only in a handful of scenes didn't get a ton of lines and to me this was an entirely different winston churchill than we've gotten in the first four episodes he was very subdued he was reflective he was he was contemplating things about the position of the crown he didn't just come in like a bull in a china shop who is this imposter like inside winston churchill's body what happened to him i i hate to say did he genuinely change after the fog episode because like i was 100 percent convinced that that was just an act maybe he actually had like development (laughs) maybe venetia's death had a profound impact on him I was not prepared for this, and I had a little bit of respect for it, but hard to forget all the things that you did and all the people that died in the last episode because of your inaction. But that was months ago. Keep in mind. (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was, it was so interesting how he really just, like, it's, it'll be interesting to see if this is, like, how he will maintain course or if it's just, like, he was just chilling in the background for like, he'll stay quiet for one thing and then he's going right back to it. I don't know. But yeah, he was very like, to be honest, I can't really remember what he did in this episode. I know he was there. He was on the committee. So yeah. I think he was really the only face on the committee that we recognized. And as soon as uh, Philip started making his rousing speech about modernizing the whole affair, the look on Winston's face just said it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's also the one who ends up tattling to Liz, like, <laughs> "Hey, Philip is going a little crazy here." So good old Winston, always out to no matter what, no matter insignificant his role is, he will ruin Phil's day. So much tattling on this show. <laughs> tattling is a major recurring motif. Have Have Winston and Philip ever had a scene together, like one on one? Like I'm not I'm not talking about like this committee scene where it was in a larger group setting, but I feel like. All of Winston's beef with Philip is dealt with uh, with Elizabeth as a proxy. Oh man, are you? That might be right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen a scene of just the two of them. But obviously, Winston has a lot of resentment for Philip and his family and the Nazis to whom they are married. Which I can't say that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. No, I guess it's not really Philip's fault with the Nazis and his family, but. Oh my god, he's, he has his own reasons for being a total twat, it's fine. On a Philip-related note, are all of his suits too big for him? Or is this just me? Does he wear suits that are, like, way too big for him? I I want to say yes, and I think we can actually uh, use David as the positive comparison. Like, that man has some impeccable suits. I mean, that was his thing. A good fabric can take you anywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he, like, David's suits are extremely well-tailored, and they're, you know, they're not very conservative either. Like, they are very sharp, very fashion-forward, and yeah, by by comparison, Phillips seem ill-fitting and just very old-school. Yeah. I have not paid attention to that, and now I'm going, okay, but speaking of fashion, um, Elizabeth looks so good this episode, this, like, dark, like, coat she had on the whole time. 
her hair looked like fresh like it was really well done hair shining like she looks so good in this episode we're just gonna i need to sit on that because she has i feel like she's not going to maintain that throughout the series she's gonna get old at some point and the fashion is gonna have to go i think her whole body and face will change as well you know that might happen (laughs) she might look in like an entirely different person um it'll be crazy one of my favorite elizabeth looks we're gonna see how we continue i haven't been keeping track but this one stood out to me okay Uh, we also learned that the crown the physical crown uh for which the show is named weighs five pounds and um liz is allowed to practice with it whenever she wants oh my god I, i got a huge kick out of um that moment where she asks she can borrow it and 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 the guy who runs the show is like from whom <laughs> that was great and to be honest i you know when like you're watching hamilton and like the crown apparently was so heavy and you were like oh that was just something they did for the show and then it turns out it's just like an exact replica that's like exactly how heavy it's supposed to be i love it I will say that the crown looked a lot better on Elizabeth than it did on Birdie. Like that opening scene where he was trying to balance it on his head, like he looked ridiculous. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah, you're like sitting there and you're like, this looks like a costume and like... A bad one. Yeah, so unfortunate. (laughs) Real quick thing. So in the beginning, as always, Phil is being a little bitch. He's like complaining about how Liz just gave him Clarence House as like a project to keep him occupied. But I thought he yes. really enjoyed that. Yes, yes. I, I had the same thought. Like he made it sound like that was a burden. And when we saw him engrossed in that project, he was having the time of his life. Yeah, what what a disingenuous uh, position to take on that project. Could you not have an easier life getting assigned to design houses, to sit on a committee? like? This man does not appreciate his easy, foppish life. And I just don't understand, like, what what is wrong with this man? It's something <laughs> in his childhood trauma that he cannot appreciate a good life like this. Jesus Christ. I want to know if the rest, I mean, I mean, did Queen Elizabeth have a husband? <laughs> she must have, right? Because she had kids. I don't know. I just want to know if all the other male monarchs in the past were, like, just as bitchy or if, like, someone actually understood that, like, this is a good life. I need to know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll and- get flashbacks down the line. <laughs> Please, who knows? We'll get a Victorian flashback. If you've come, if you've come looking for that context, you've come to the <laughs> wrong place. Yeah, no, we're just gonna. I'm gonna make it up. I'm gonna say that Philip is the first one who's just a total bitch. Another question that I have is about Philip's friend, who's always there. Um, yes, and I don't know like what his position is, um, what his relationship is to like government or, you know, positions of power. I only know him as the actor who is in Squirtle Recall, which was a oh, Netflix yes. show from back in the day that's now called Lovesick. But yes. I don't know what his I don't know what his job is. Like, why is he here? Uh, OK, so I am so thrilled anytime that guy's on the screen, not <laughs> not just because of the show that you just mentioned, but uh, my wife and I just finished uh, watching a show on HBO Max with Billy Piper that he's in called um, I Hate Susie, uh, which is fantastic. And he plays uh, the husband of, of the titular character uh, whose name is Cobb. And every time he now shows up on the crown, like I, you know, point at the screen and yell, it's Cobb. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who he is. 
he gets to he's part of the coronation committee is he not he like yes Philip yes and Phil, goes Philip got him, him in yeah so we don't really know anything about this guy other than the fact that he's just Philip's buddy right like maybe they were in the military together but yeah Philip manages to get him into the party planning committee which is probably a pretty big deal for this guy truly like I feel like no I cannot say that this man had more importance than Elizabeth but like well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think he had more lines in this episode than Princess Margaret and like I'm not happy about that Princess Margaret has had so little to do in this show thus far I know like what justice for Margaret yeah we saw her at the scene where they are you know paying their respects to uh the the queen mother's um uh body um and I think that's really about the only uh, I mean I'm sure she was at the coronation although yeah. I don't recall to be honest she definitely was i do remember her in a fancy outfit on that note loved getting the grim reaper outfits back oh yes (laughs) who is the grim reaper now if um elizabeth and margaret at at the queen mother's uh funeral they were decked out in that black attire who's gonna be the grim reaper now to just show up then elizabeth and margaret oh my god i'm sorry (laughs) They're, no, they're, they're, they're going to take on the role. I feel like That's the good. next, no, it's got to be the next oldest woman. It's probably Winston Churchill's wife. <laughs> she just shows up now. Yeah. Or Wallace. Or, oh, oh that's, God. yeah. Wallace has like a vampire look to her. Maybe this is just like the glamour of her time. But she also kind of looks like, do you guys get the vibe that she's like kind of still stuck in the 30s? Like something about her hairstyle still kind of feels 30s. And I don't know if that's just like an artistic choice that they're doing or if she just like really kept to like an old fashioned glamour. Cause like she has this very dark, you know, it's like a very dark coloring in general. Like she has this like dark red lipstick and like I associate the fifties with more like pink hues. I don't know, but she definitely has a very distinct vibe and I don't know what her accent is. I can't really even figure out how old she is just by looking at her. You could tell me she's 45. You could tell me she's 75. I would believe you. (laughs) I don't think she's 75. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like she will look like this ambiguous age, though, when she is 75. Like, they just don't need to switch. They, I don't even know if they would switch out anyone. Just keep her no makeup to, like, enhance her age. Just stay like that. Like, if anyone is immortal and just, like, is still here, it's her. She's the immortal here. Everyone else is going to age. Quite ironic, considering she's the only person who's not allowed to show up to the god ceremony. But it's her. So... One thing that I do think is interesting, and we've talked about how, you know, Philip had the good idea of the television. He had some other, you know, not so good ideas, but I think a general observation that he has that I think we can all agree with is that there's a certain amount of tradition to all of these ceremonies, and it's just very old in some sense. It's it's like deja vu. He notices that Mary's funeral is the same as Bertie's funeral. And it just made me think, because it's now been 65 years since we've had a coronation, do we think that the next coronation is going to be drastically different than the coronation that we saw here? Yeah, so, yeah, my wife and I were talking about this as we were watching this episode, because, like, it's weird that... Philip, you know, pushed forward the very first televised coronation, you know, this big technological breakthrough, and there hasn't been one since then. Like, there's been nothing to to modernize or show off. And, you know, we were joking that the the next coronation would be the Instagram live coronation. Oh, my God. 
But you know, the funny thing is, I was like, you know, there's something really exciting about Elizabeth's coronation because, you know, they haven't had like a female monarch in so long and she's so young and there's something kind of glamorous about it. When Charles gets coronated, no one's going to care. Like somehow he like represents this weird antithesis of nothing interesting and like innovative, but they still are probably going to do something innovative technological wise. It's going to be very interesting. Like if it had been William, I think there would have been that like, you know, layer of like kind of magic to it. But it's going to be very well, interesting what they try well, to do. Well, it will be Charles. William one day. Well, yeah, but it'll it's probably like we have be William very soon. <laughs> yeah, we will probably get realistically two coronations sometime in the next two decades. Yeah, yeah, probably. Very likely. Charles. <laughs> oh, Charles! I sorry, Charles. No one likes you. I swear. I, yeah, I honestly like it wouldn't surprise me if somehow Elizabeth outlives him. Like, I don't there would probably have to be some kind of accident or something weird that would happen between because he's not that old. But like somehow she's just like, you know what else I wanted to know? Is she going to be the kind of woman who like outlives Philip by like a decade or is she going to like pass away with him? Because he's the one that looks like on the brink of death. How old is he? Did we look this up? I forget. I, I think he's like 99 or something like that. I mean, based on the crown, I'm going to say she could probably handle it. Like, she's had, <laughs> he doesn't seem like that much of a, I mean, I'm sure he actually has added a lot to her life. But like, I could see her keep going just to spite Charles. Like, that's more important to her than being with Philip. Yeah. So I think it definitely could well be an Instagram live coronation. If God lived anywhere, it's got to be Instagram. Oh my god, but it, it just will feel like, um, you know, whenever like old politicians try to like appeal to Zoomers, like that's what it's gonna feel like. Yeah, it's it's definitely like an interesting thought starter because it's been 65 years. Like, that's just such a long time. Like, how many people are even alive that remember that coronation and can be like, yeah, we'll just do that again. I don't know. I hope someone took real good notes. I now I'm trying to think. I guess my my grandparents. Yeah, they were. They're still. They can remember things. But (laughs) yeah, it's it's very like getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. I know we've covered a lot of kind of the main plot points of this episode. That one, but one thing that I think we haven't really touched upon yet is that coronation scene. And I think we just need to talk about it as a whole because there's so much going on. But it's all narrated by David, who's like doing his best Leslie Jones, just like making an Instagram video of the news and like just (laughs) narrating what's going on during it. Ivan, on a scale of one to 10, how good is David's uh, coverage of the uh, coronation? Uh, Well, okay. so first of all, but before I even comment on that, uh, let me let me just point out the fact that he and Wallace were entertaining a very large room of guests who were all watching the coronation on what looked like an eight inch screen. <laughs> and, and so I, whatever like visual, uh, you know, broadcast they were experiencing, like it, it was lost on whoever sitting more than two rows back entirely. So, so those guests depended very heavily on David's narration to have any sense of what was even happening. Um, and I will say I thought he did a great job. Like, I mean, it was it was like definitely less of a like in-game commentator and more of just like somebody on a local sports radio station with a very clear bias and a very clear <laughs> narrative that they're trying to paint. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought he did a you know pretty fine job uh, explaining some of the the vagaries of the whole affair. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's also interesting to like see that like volley between like, you know, the staff, Tommy et al. and David fighting of like whether or not David would get to experience this. And so like at first he loses because like he's not invited, but then it's televised. And so he essentially gets to go. And then at the last minute, they, you know, they don't televise the anointment. So you see the way he ended up losing in the end, because you can tell he, he like basically was so in like he was, I'm sure he just got back into that time period of being like, wow, like, I really wanted this. And he just had he lost. So would he would he have experienced his father's coronation? Like, would he have attended that one? Would he have been alive? I'm not sure. Like, that that's what I can't figure out. Like, so he he has you know some understanding of how these coronations go and i'm guessing it would come from childhood memories of attending his father's coronation but i'm not sure because otherwise like you know why is he the one even providing commentary unless he's just read like you know a guidebook on how to conduct one of these yeah i would think he probably he might have attended his father's he probably also got the lessons you know when they thought that he was going to be that person um right so you know he probably had some uh more recent experience with this process makes sense but um he says that this whole ceremony is a way to cloak an ordinary girl in magic and turn her into a goddess and his skepticism of this ceremony that was like meant to be his life is very striking here okay okay that is such a bullshit like assessment yeah. of what the whole thing is because like would he have said that about himself like would he have said like oh my coronation was cloaking an ordinary man and turning him into a god it's like no first of all he doesn't think of himself as an ordinary man he thinks of himself as extremely extraordinary but like you know his humility in public would you know deter him from ever referring to himself as a god but he turned it all down for love I, again, I still, I wonder how happy his marriage actually was, because I cannot imagine that that resentment isn't there a little bit. Like, I, he genuinely does seem to love her, but I can't, like, you know, how can you possibly listen to all this, like, him just bitching about all this and not think, like, there has to be a little underlying resentment. I have to think that he kind of hated Wallace a little bit. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I don't think he resents Wallace. I think all of his resentment is reserved for the family. Like, I think those those are the real villains of the story from his perspective. Like, yeah, Wallace no, was, was a victim, just like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And clearly their sex life is still going very strong. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we... I, like, I understand why they did that. But, like, out of all the characters that they were just going to imply having sex, like, I, I don't know. I guess he's kind of silver foxy. <laughs> it was a very humanizing moment, if nothing else, because, like, I don't think we'd ever hear any other member of the royal family utter those words you don't think they'll make liz say that later on in the show <laughs> better <laughs> oh. Um, oh so yeah one thing one thing that i wanted to um toss to you both was this scene that we got in the beginning and the end where the word of the coronation ceremony is the word inviolably mm. what is the significance of that um, you, sorry, Lizzie, you cannot abdicate. <laughs> we can't do that twice in the same lifetime. Do you think they added that word for Birdie's ceremony specifically? Just to ruin his life because of his stutter. You know, they just really hate him. His stutter and the, uh, the archbishop's stutter. None of, nobody can say this word. I have to, okay, 
I really want to know. Obviously, I'll never find out. But I want to know that, like, he actually stuttered over that word. Like, Elizabeth got to save the day. And I guess we'll never know because it also, like, was not televised. So, like, there's just no one who will ever reveal this to us except for Elizabeth herself. Because yeah, I'm was... assuming the Archbishop is dead. Yeah, I would find that so frustrating in a telecast where the whole thing is being televised and then they just cut out. They're like, nope, you can't see this part. We just can't see the swearing in during the inauguration. <laughs> Could you imagine how mad everyone would be? That entire scene with, you know, the Archbishop and Elizabeth, uh, you know, with, with, with the oil and, and everything, that moment, and you know what moment I'm talking about, where he is like applying the oil or about to, and then he hesitates and has like this hundred yard stare in his eyes because he's never touched a woman's breast before, presumably. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you, like, I, I felt like his entire life flashed before his eyes, and somehow I saw it as well in that scene. Oh my God. I just like to think that was haunting him the entire time. We're like, yeah, you know, you're sure they have rehearsals for this? And he, he probably was like, I could practice, but then I'd have to do this twice. And he just said, no, I'll be fine during the actual ceremony. And he just wanted to be real safe. He was like, neck, this is it. <laughs> Played it real safe. Yeah, one thing that television loves to do is to show the audience how hard it is to make television. Did you notice that? <laughs> we got like a full like at least minute of just a control room, turning knobs, turning on screens, just, you know, this is how we make television, everybody. Give us that why, Emmy. That why was that so charming for me? <laughs> like I love all these old timey rooms. <laughs> Wow, old television. Look how tiny that little viewfinder was. Incredible. I, I guess they did have zoom lenses back then. They specifically mentioned that, but there was no no zoom lenses allowed. I'm sure it was like probably the equivalent of like watching that 1800s like horse running video, but like you're watching it in like 1900. So it's no longer cool. It just looked like so <laughs> underwhelming. I don't know. Maybe they liked it. Like, you know, I guess that was the extent of their television back then. I don't really know. I also want to know, like, how much this lined up with, like, other world events being televised. Like, were, was this one of the first ones? Or is this just, like, they were following a trend? Like, how innovative is Philip? I want to know. And I'll never know. That's fine. So, yeah, that was really all that I had in my notes. It's, uh, I will say, <laughs> we criticize a lot. But this was my favorite episode, I think, that we've seen so far. Yeah, I really like this one. There was a lot of fun to be had with this episode. Yeah. As always, acting performances, wonderful. The entire aesthetic of the show is like on point. Like, wow. Use your budget that's probably really high, and they do an incredible job. Yeah, I think at this point in the show, you kind of dismiss the notion that they made a very expensive pilot and then that the you know production value dropped off from there. Like, it hasn't. It has stayed consistent, and every episode is just as stunning as the one before. Mm -hmm. Should we, with that, should we move on to the Kinky Crown Award of the episode? Oh, hell yeah. Let's go for it. Carlin, do you have any nominees that you would like to put forward? I, I don't know if this is going to get me kicked out of the Church of England, um, which obviously I'm a member of, but Elizabeth <laughs> and the oil on the breast. Yes. <laughs> That's definitely my pick. Yep, mine as well. I'll just throw some other contenders out there into the world. Um, yeah, we're going to make you say the line, Sam. <laughs> wonderful. Um, all right, so first of all, we have... Apparently, Philip doesn't spend a lot of time with Liz. And when Phil is like, what are you talking about? Liz replies, 
you're always off flying or lunching with strange men. <laughs> Phil going oh, lunching with strange men. With <laughs> oh my god, that's a that's a dark hole. I you know it's like you hear that but you don't process it. I like that one. Yeah. Then we have Phil uh, at the opera telling Liz this. Total control or nothing at all. Total mm. control or nothing at all. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> I, I will say I, I watched this episode. I heard that line and I immediately thought of you guys and figured one of you two. Would <laughs> <laughs> it has to go in. It's got to go in. Um, you want me to say the line? I don't have to. I clipped it. Shall we fuck? <laughs> nice. Oh, my that's God. it. That's the whole that's the whole nominee. Wait, then oh, there, oh, are, you not, are you done? There's obviously Liz demanding that Philip kneel. And then the last one, real underreported story, Queen Mother Mary, or, sorry, Queen Mother Elizabeth and Tommy Whoa. are. So yes. like, where are you going with yes. this? Oh my God. I saw <laughs> the same thing. Sorry. Queen Mother Elizabeth and Tommy are walking down the hall. Elizabeth tells Tommy to do exactly as she tells him. And then Tommy replies, always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, right. look, I felt the tension there. Like, if we had to have any crack ships here, like, it's 100% the widow, Queen Elizabeth, mother, and Tommy. <laughs> it just made me feel like something was going on. Like, what a weird thing to just stick in there. Like, something's got to be going on between them. Oh, yeah. And something so, I feel like has been going on between that. Why would you say always to that? Like it's something right. that you do all the time. Oh yeah, like those those big eyes—they hide secrets. How how scandalous would it be if the uh, Queen Mo Mother Elizabeth remarried at this point? Would that just be a, a a total no no? I think it's okay. It's okay, but probably not to Tommy Lassels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Charles remarried after Diana died. I think. I mean, everyone hates that, but I think the concept of it was okay. I don't know. I think it's all right. Okay, so we vote now. Yes, we vote now. Ivan, where do you? Where are you going on this? Uh, you know, for me, it was always going to come down to either the oil on the breast or the shall we fuck. You know, this is kind of a coin flip. Uh, I I'm going to go with shall we fuck. Carlin? Oh my god, it was between the oil and and the Elizabeth Tommy thing. I'm going to vote for the oil. I'm going to vote for the oil, but it's a very hard pick. See, there's Please some good Tommy. ones. These are obvious. These are the two obvious ones. I think that the other ones are fun, but as always, listeners, you can vote for the Kinky Crown Award on our poll that we'll put up on Twitter. So, you know, I feel like those smaller nominees might get some love there, but I feel like it's our responsibility just to point out the obvious. And for that reason, Ivan, I've got to agree with you. The winner of this week's Kinky Crown Award. Shall we fuck? <laughs> subtle. <laughs> no subtlety at all. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so congratulations to David I mean, this was this was his moment. This was his entire episode. So, you know, got to give it to him. When will yeah. Elizabeth get an Elizabeth-centered episode? It's unknown. <laughs> when are we going to get a single damn Margaret scene where she has more than half a line? <laughs> is she ever going to have a... Is she ever going to, like, pass the Bechdel test where, like, she has a scene but it's not about Peter? 
bless Ooh. bless Margaret. With, with how things have been going, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. I, I really want to know like what Margaret actually thinks. I she probably has a lot of thoughts. I don't know. Hopefully one day down the line. And obviously I'm always gunning for that um Queen Elizabeth mother episode where I just <laughs> I wanna know that there are either no thoughts in her head or that she is a scheming mastermind. Do either have either of you watched Rami? Yes. On that's what I wish that they had done here. Like, just once in a while, the mom just gets a one-off episode. <laughs> and you just follow the mom as she learns to be an Uber driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah. Carlin, what did we learn in this episode? Well, I learned that you need to practice every single part of the coronation down to um, the specific wording of your anointment and where the breastbone is. Ivan, what did we learn here? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was going to originally go with, you know, Carlin's recommendation and say that maybe the archbishop should have just, you know, gotten like a blow up doll or something uh, and, and just practiced. But I, I, I don't know. What did, what did we learn? Um, we, we learned that if you're feeling nostalgic for rainy, dour London, just go play some bagpipes in your backyard. You'll feel better. Back, play bagpipes and cry like that man was like sobbing obviously we learned that the crown is five pounds very important information that i will take with me for the rest of my life and also if you perhaps are unfamiliar with sat words we learned this the pusillanimity and vindictiveness <laughs> knows no limits so maybe you learned an sat word or two um cool uh any closing thoughts here on episode five of season one, Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, I, I really liked it. I, I I might be inclined to agree with you, Sam, that I, I may have enjoyed this episode more than any of the previous. So um, we are we are trending in a positive direction here. Yeah, for sure. I also can't believe it took um, half a season for Elizabeth to be queen. But like, you know, whatever, it's fine. She'll probably be queen for the whole series. <laughs> probably. I mean, who knows? I hope they... <laughs> they end it in the future. It's they they go full Game of Thrones on us. They're just like I don't know what's gonna happen, but I can guess. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Ivan, if people want to find you on social media, where can they do that? Uh, possibly nowhere soon. I I'm getting to that point where I I might be uh deactivating some key accounts, but I have not decided which ones quite yet. But in the meantime, at Ivan Vukovic uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at least for the time being. All right, and Carlin, where can people find you on social? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G-E-E. -E. And I am at Sir Sam Chung. Uh, and if you want all the latest on the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. This episode will be uploaded to our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash crowning around. It's also available on any platform where podcasts are available. And coming up here on Paginated Media on Tuesday, we're going to be back with another episode of The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. Um, and then a week from today, or a week from the release of this podcast, we'll be back here with another episode of Crowning Around, where we will recap season one, episode six, entitled, is it Gelignite? Gelignite? Do we know? We'll find out. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know this word, um, so I'm looking forward to that in advance will be the thing that I learn next episode. What is a Gelignite? I don't know. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. God save the queen.
God save, God the, save queen. the queen. God save the queen.